This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, welcome everybody to the Sports Biz Pod. I'm Nick Hayden, your host, founder of Sports Biz Group and we interview professional athletes, investors, entrepreneurs, and sports and entertainment. We give you a very inside scoop of what's going on in the world of sports business, provide you some very unique and entertaining content. And today I have a very special guest, Marcus Peterson, who has a very long-winded intro, but it's uh, very impressive where Marcus is a uh, professional athlete in the NFL. He's a global innovator and entrepreneur. He's a model for the LA Models, and he has his own apparel line called MP motivational apparel. He also has an MBA, which he studied in London, and he was recently named New York Weekly 30 Under 30. So, Marcus, thanks so much for uh, coming on the pod, and I hope that was a uh, good inf- intro for you. No, that was perfect. Thanks so much for having me. That was perfect. Awesome. Well, to get things started, how, how are you doing? You, you, you mentioned uh, we were kind of talking before you're in Los Angeles. How's everything going out there? Yeah, everything's good. Like, the weather is superb out here, man. I give it to that. Uh, everything is starting to open, but not Everything's starting to open back up, but things are slowly opening back up as far as pandemic is uh, concerned um, and having a lot of good peaceful protests out here and also just been, you know, training and, you know, doing things, running errands as far as like stuff on LinkedIn connections and then, you know, football training. So it's been a very productive uh, quarantine for me. Also, I got with a partner uh, and started a LinkedIn consulting uh, business. So it's been very productive the last couple of months. That's amazing. So, so, um, under quarantine, how is that, um, how have you kind of adjusted maybe your workout routine to kind of stay in momentum? How, has that changed your routine or you had kind of access to all the resources you needed? Yeah. At first, so like it all started what around my birthday. So like around March 20th, end of March. So I've been blessed enough to have still the same resources as far as feel not too much. It's kind of like it feels on a hundred percent probably down to like 80, mm-hmm. you know, 75, uh, got back into the weight room. So I've been having, uh, not been able to go to like facilities and stuff like that, but been having like some weight room access and field quarterback, you know, drill still, you know, with my trainer. So on that end, I've been blessed to have it, you know, regular. That's awesome. And, and, uh, you kind of mentioned some of the, the protests going on in LA. How, how's that been? I've, I've been in New York and kind of been part of some of the protests, but how's that been? Um, or, or how involved have you been in some of these protests? Uh, in the beginning, it got kind of wild, obviously with the looting, but that was probably about like two to three, three days. But other than that, it started to get very, very monumental as far as the connection of every race. So it was literally, every gender, race, culture, religion, all coming as one of unity. So um, all over the, all over California, like literally all over California. So um, it's been going good. So I also, um, I walked with uh, one of my uh, older, not brothers, but like one of my mentors as far as football, Terrell Owens, last week. 
here in Inglewood. So we walked into the protest also with the actress, Lisa Ray. So that was pretty good as well. That's amazing. Have you seen a lot of the other, you know, um, LA based athletes kind of join those marches? Was that the kind of main thing you were doing just uh, marching through the streets? I mean, I didn't see them personally, but like via, you know, social media, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and kind of to that point earlier that you were saying that, you know, I was in New York was kind of part of some of those protests and I'm, I'm in Baltimore right now. And you kind of see just all, you know, races, ethnicities, backgrounds kind of coming rally behind this really important cause. And I think, um, as bad as the things have been and we're continuing to see, I think there is legitimate change that that's going to happen for the long term. Um, so, so that's kind of, you know, an exciting part, but, you know, um, you know, kind of want to dive into your story a little bit. You've had a very, you know, unorthodox, um, you know, road to where you are right now. And, um, you know, I really uh, like the apparel brand that you built and the messaging behind it. You know, you're wearing the shirt right now, 100% focus on plan A. You have some other, uh, you know, uh, slogans like stay persistent, prove yourself right. So, you know, could you talk a little bit about the story or behind that and, and what kind of that, that messaging means to you? Yeah, so basically, um, it's funny, we just talked about it. Um, so... I wanted to come out. So basically going back, I wanted to, when I, when I moved to England to get my MBA and also play football, I wanted to not only play football and get my MBA, but I want to build more of a global approach, more of a global network, global mm-hmm. brand. So that was my biggest key is to become and create a global personal brand. Um, so I was doing that by traveling and things of that nature. But once Fast forward, I knew and I had a feeling that, you know, God was going to give me the opportunity to, you know, sign with the NFL. And so with that, I understood, you know, marketing, branding, uh, business at that point. So I came out with three mantras that helped me along the way, which is 100% focus on plan A, stay persistent, improve yourself right. And uh, those are like the three mantras that helped me along the way. So what I did was on a strategic part, I met up because I got really uh, acquainted with David Messer during social media. He lives out here as well. So we did a Playbook podcast um, about two weeks before I got signed. So we did that. And I knew that, you know, timing was everything, especially when it comes to business and exposure and things of that nature. So I waited until the day after I got signed to the Chargers to launch it. So not only did I get that exposure from the NFL, but also my network overseas, his network. So I just knew, you know, timing was everything. So the day after I signed, that's when I launched my apparel brand. And it's funny because the original demographic was like high school students or college students that would come in my position of like getting told no, not getting the recognition that they, you know, thought they wanted or the support from the coaches and things of that nature. But it drastically changed to like single mothers, doctors, Mm -hmm. non-athletes, you know, demographic of 35 and older. So it literally went from what I wanted it to be so something different, but in business, you know, you have to adjust. So it's been been really good and uh, inspiring like worldwide. So I'm very happy about that. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, just in entrepreneurship, it's you think what it's going to be and once you put it out to the market, sometimes you just see what, it's a new wave and you just you roll with it. But, you know, what was your plan A? Was it was it to make the NFL? Was that kind of your, your plan A from from the start or, or was it something else? Yeah. So my plan A was 
to make it to the NFL and become an NFL player. And then staying persistent alluded to me not getting drafted, coming out of undergrad, having to go to another country and playing, getting film, getting my NBA, um, mm-hmm. you know, not signing until like two years later. Uh, and then proving myself right up, just people saying that I couldn't do it. Um, just the naysayers, the negativity. So those are what came along. And also I came out with a special one is you don't make goals, make, don't make goals, make history. It's because, you know, when you go into uh, school, you know, everybody's goal is to graduate or everybody's goal is to make it to that whatever professional sport they play. But history was I was the first one ever in, in any of the both colleges I went to to sign an NFL contract. So it's like when we set the bar here, you know, you ultimately want to do here. So that's why I came up with uh, Don't Make Gold, Make History as well. That's amazing. So what, at what point in your life was that you're kind of, uh, you narrowed that as your goal? Like, was it in high school? Was it when you went through college no, no, and started no, no, playing? No, no, no. Or when, when did that it come was NFL, maybe like my senior year of college. Mm-hmm. Senior in college, and, and you went to a school you kind of mentioned. You said nobody else from it was C, uh, Seton Hill University. Nobody else yes. from that that school uh, was drafted in the past. Nobody's ever went to the NFL in the past. Wow! And then and then you went to overseas in in the UK. It was it was in London, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. So so how was that like adjusting? I'm, I'm my my guess is that uh, there's a lot more resources, people, teams, exposure to train. You know, for the NFL, what was the climate there for people playing? You know, American football. Uh, it was different because that's not their original sport. Um, rugby and you know obviously soccer is. So it was way different. Um, it was more of a humbling experience because here, you know, everyone that's the culture of football. So you get brought up with that. Some people were just doing it for fun or just just watching it on TV or commercials. So it was, it was really humbling because you had to not only coach and play, but develop a culture of it as well on the competitive side of what it really meant. So I went with like five different players uh, here from America as well. Mm-hmm. So they had a, they had a, like a, a collegiate team for, for uh, American yeah. football or was this? Okay. Yeah. So they have, they have like a bunch of uh, colleges, just like how we have in the U.S. Um, throughout all of Great Britain that have collegiate teams or professional teams as far as American football. Mm-hmm. So, so what, uh, uh, you know, kind of walk it through where you have these kind of big universities. I went to an SEC school and even the players that, you know, were maybe, you know, halfway through the roster as far as play time and whatnot, they're still getting a significant exposure. They're in the SEC. They have – 85,000 people watching and a lot of them don't actually even make it to the NFL. And it's such a hard road there. Uh, but someone like you were, you went to a school that was kind of underlooked and then you went abroad, which even kind of stacked the odds against you. You clearly did something, whether it's you networked with someone, you put the right content from someone. It was also internally yourself with the right mindset. Like what do you think the factors were? Because um, even just going to, you know, a different country like that, I would assume that that would actually even, seems more difficult to make it to the NFL. Like, what do you think was yeah, the separating factor? The only answer I have is definitely God. Um, like, people ask me all the time. I really don't have any other answers. Uh, obviously, networking, sending, like, 50 emails a day to different scouts, being in the right position, going to the right places, networking, putting myself out there. That was the biggest thing. It's, like, networking like crazy. Um, and it's funny because – uh, my agent at the time, he found me on YouTube. So he commented under my YouTube link. And um, 
it was just so so surreal. So like everything in life, like God has just you know just put either a random email or a message or someone in my life or something in my life. So it was definitely destined for that. Um, and then we could stay connected. And then you know I I had a good such a good season there. And then I went to rookie minicamp with Jacksonville Jaguars. And then uh, that year later, I stayed with it. You know, did some workouts. Um, trained with some NFL team, I mean, NFL uh, QBs, um, and just stayed networking, connecting, stayed ready. And then the Chargers revisited, and, you know, they called me, and that was it. And that's the thing, too, is, like, what you have to understand is if you really want to do it, you have to do it because the thing was I was taking a nap. So my agent called me, and then five minutes later, the GM called me. He said, hey, you know, we want you to come down tonight. So it's like you don't have time to take off, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, like, if I would have been slacking for two weeks or if I would have took a month off, not knowing. Because, like, it's just like a, it's, it's definitely fake. You don't know when it's going to come. Yeah, how it's gonna come. So um, you have to be ready at all times. Like, I've been learning that in business, football, anything. Like, be ready so you don't have to get ready. Because I literally had practice that next day. There was no, like, get a week to get adjusted it was like get no. ready so you have to be working out full like as if you're going to get a call tomorrow so i'm so happy that i was in that same right mindset like during those two years of working out like i can get a call any day that's what a lot of people don't understand they don't see the bigger picture of if you really want to do it you have to do it it's like a grind because you never know and you get one chance because you go in there uh fail your physical um, not sh not in shape, it's over. And just like it's a network, so like other teams are gonna be contacted, like, hey, what happened to that guy? Not in shape, oh, scratch. So that's a big thing I learned. And I just thank God I was, you know, in the right mindset and ready. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and it seems like you kind of removed like your ego in a way where you're ready to go and you're willing to fly to LA the next day to start practicing. But, you know, you have a lot of ego, it seems like, with a lot of these, you know, major D1, SEC, Big Ten schools where, you know, they, they might be slacking, they might be, you know, doing partying, whatever whatever it is, and then they get the call, they're like, ah, that doesn't sound is what they want it to be. But you're somebody like, it doesn't matter, you're, you know, you've been waiting for that call the past three years. So, um, you know, like, how do you, how do you kind of share that message where it's like, you're 100% focus on plan a doesn't yeah you haven't mentioned one like all right what's the plan b like that doesn't seem to cross your mind at all um what's what's kind of the point where it's like you keep going until you know you just get it and then you know what's your do you have the same plan a or is, has it adjusted or what's kind yeah, of the next uh, it definitely adjusted because you know obviously once you get goals and get plans you you stick to it and once you get there you got to get new one so obviously when i got there then obviously um they're making the roster then becoming a pro bowl, then more of the philanthropy side of things, uh, building that, using that platform to build uh, more of a global brand to branch off because football doesn't last forever. So taking that to make a pillar to after football. So, you know, my goals have changed. Obviously, like, I didn't think of a plan B or there was no plan B, C for me because I knew the grind and the faith that I had in myself and in God that it was going to work because obviously this, that has literally changed my life, you know, as far as connections, stores being open, CEOs and, and 
everything that I have in my phone now. Like, so obviously, you know, in business, once you go public or, you know, you, you reach a certain level, then, you know, people will want to listen. So taking that and running with it. And I was, the biggest thing was, I know you don't get your twenties back. That's a big thing I live by. I have no, you know, no children or marriage. So it's like, I exhaust all opportunity, like all opportunity, because when I look back at, you know, 40, 30, whatever, I'm going to be, I'm, I want to be like, I'm so glad I did that because that changed my life rather than I wish I would have took that chance. My life may have been different. So, How, how old are you right now? I'm 27. 27. Yeah. And uh, so, so you just uh, kind of got that award, the uh, New York weekly 30 under 30 that was, that was pretty recent, correct? Was that like the past? Yeah, that was month? last week. That was last week. Last week. That's amazing. Well, congrats on that. Um, Thanks, how did How'd you, uh, what, what did that kind of award mean to you or how did that come, uh, come up? Yeah, it's funny because um, in 2008, I did an interview with BBC when I, was, uh, I launched my brand in London and in Paris. So uh, my goal was to be, so after that NFL, then the goal was to be nominated 30 under 30 for Forbes. So uh, coming out with my stock line to, you know, my nonprofit, helping homelessness, you know, globally uh and then doing my due diligence and just understanding giving back i've learned that too it's like you have to give back like that's the biggest key and that's just kind of like my personality you know so my biggest goal is still 30 30 under 30 for forbes but you know it's just showing me that you know the recognition and i'm in a good start because nobody really knew that too much but then you know when i got the message about it, the text message about it, it was just like mind boggling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, the, the Forbes 30, you know, 30 word, that's something I'm kind of looking to get after. And I've been fortunate to become friends with a lot of people that were, um, either on the list or just made the list this year. And it's kind of the same unique trait that you kind of see with a lot of them that they're all in, uh, kind of the same mantra of like hundred percent focused on plan a where, um, you know, when you put yourself into that position where you, you're like, all right, there's no plan B, you threw that out the window, you're, you're 100% on all in on it, then then things start, the universe kind of works for you. And, you know, you kind of mentioned uh, Dave Meltzer, and that was kind of some advice he gave me a few years ago, where this past year, I was kind of forced into these positions where I had to be all in, and then just compounds and, you know, it, it explodes like that. But, um you know, kind of looking forward to the to next year, you know, um, you know, are you, are you still going to be on a, like a roster? What's your, your, what's your, um, you know, plan for the season? Are you going to be with the chargers or there's a, are, are you a free, free agent or what's kind of the status with that? Yeah. So uh, free agent now, just uh, waiting to this like Corona thing dies down these next couple of weeks. And then I'll have, you know, more information around the end of July. Mm hmm. Nice. And, and we, were, we were kind of talking about this a little bit earlier, but with the, you know, Black Lives uh, Matter movement and kind of what's going on now, everyone's really bought into it, which is great to see. But, you know, um, you know, you, you saw Con Kaepernick kind of take a knee and he kind of led that charge and now he was kind of exiled. But, you know, what, what were your thoughts or what are you kind of um, anticipating happening this year, um, you know, for kind of players collectively buying into that movement? I just hope it's not more of a uh... – like a phase moment type thing mm -hmm. as far as like, cause once you start getting sports back, just like how the coronavirus took the plague of the whole media, then the protest took it. And then like when sports and once another event comes up, that's going to take over. So I want that, I want it to not just be 
a moment type thing. Um, mm -hmm. educate, educating and really the will, it's not even just that, it's like they're willing for people in other races to understand what it means. Like you see some people saying like all lives matter. Yes, that is true, obviously, but mm -hmm. it's like all lives can't matter if, you know, minorities and black lives don't matter. So that's why the emphasis is on, you know, black lives matter. So understanding and, you know, demanding equality and justice for all, that's what, you know, the constitution is supposed to be saying. But uh, I feel like we're moving in a, a better direction, hopefully, not just for this temporary time. And uh, yeah. So, so what do you think uh, needs to happen maybe for it to be, you know, it, it needs to be long-term and, you know, that we're so distracted by media. There's a new problem that comes up where we're kind of juggling with both COVID and, you know, racial injustice right now. So what do you think needs to happen? Is it educational? Um, is it certain initiatives? Is it like legal changes or laws that need to be implemented? Like what, what do you think is a, a good maybe resolution? I don't think it's education. I think people know obviously the difference between right and wrong. It's just the willing to understand it and wanting to want to want to understand it. Um, people of all cultures, all races know the difference of whether you know that white privilege is a real thing or whatever. But the thing has to be changed in the judicial system and the laws when it comes to police brutality and the repercussions. Um, once people are held accountable, that just like the saying, if I touch this, if I see you touch the stove and you get burned, I'm not going to touch the stove. But if you touch it and nothing happens, then I might be inclined to touch it. So as far as the repercussions of, you know, police getting, you know, the well-deserved punishment, then nothing is going to change. So I think in the training of the police, the hiring, when it comes to the recruitment, um, the psychological training, not just that six month, you know, ordeal or six week, however long it takes to be a police officer. But, and you can see now it's more of a mockery because it's not like it's word of mouth. It's you see it on camera and still mm -hmm. stuff is still happening. So once the laws are changed on that, then, you know, nothing will change. And just, I think the psychological aspects about it too is because you can have all this stuff say it, but if someone is still mentally, have you know hate in their heart and their mind giving money protesting all that stuff is not gonna matter mm -hmm. so i think when it yeah, comes it's, to the system yeah yeah it, it's a it's kind of a good point where we're getting um direct feedback if someone's doing something wrong it's going to be on twitter and going viral for more people to kind of follow suit that what they did was wrong or right. You know, I saw you kind of posted the other day on LinkedIn that went really well. That was a really positive message. And it was, uh, you know, I, I, if you want to kind of break down, it looks like it was uh, someone in the National Guard, like praying or um, kind of taking a knee with somebody. Could you kind of break down that, that clip right there? Yeah, it's funny because a couple of days after I posted it, um, he reached out that, that National Guard found it and reached because it's almost at like 300,000 views now. So, um, he reached out to me and told me that that was him. So basically what it was and I seen was, you know, a young minority, peaceful African-American male um, wanting to bridge the gap and create change. So the guy, Nicholas uh, Cohen, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. 
he was in charge at the time with his fellow colleagues and you know they were super nice and they were willing and they understood the magnitude of what was going on so they took a knee as well and to join forces because they were there obviously to secure and stuff like that but they understood mankind just coming together peacefully and i thought that was just mm-hmm. so awesome of the bravery of the young man and also the bravery of you know nicholas as well and his colleagues to understand and to to connect so i'm just grateful that that was captured you know yeah so so you saw that firsthand you you were the one that took that video or is that something you, you saw on the web yeah i took it was here in los angeles so basically what it was was you know he was saying you know i'm here for you um i want to connect and unify you know i'm not a threat to you i don't fear you and you know the officer was like you know i understand you know that you're not a threat. All Black Lives Does Matter. And, you know, it's not all police officers or military, you know, guards that believe in that. And I want to show that we're on the same page and united as one in the human race. So that's about how they all collided. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah and, and from seeing something like that where, you know, I've been kind of heavy on Twitter just to stay on top of the news. And you'll see some of the most, like, gruesome content uh, that you can't really unsee, and it's it's necessary to see what is going on there. But then, that's kind of like the negative aspect. That's almost you need to see it. But then the positive side, where you kind of made that post that that's doing really well, where it shows the good side of it because it, you can't just demonize everybody just because of what they're wearing or what they look like. And um, you know, you know, commend you for that. Um, but yeah, I would love to talk a little bit more about kind of what you're doing specifically with LinkedIn. Um, you did mention you just started kind of a consulting service, but um, you know, what, what, uh, when was the point in time when you started getting on LinkedIn and kind of realized the potential, especially as an athlete? Oh uh, yeah. So I got with um, Ezekiel Elliott, his dad has a um, marketing agency that a couple of the guys from Ohio state, I've joined like, you know, Joy Bolson and things of that nature. So I got with them last year. So the guy, uh, so I was with them for about two months and then, you know, I didn't stay with them for long, but the guy that was doing like all the networking stuff for Gary B and he went over there to him. I got really close with him and we partnered up. So I understood and saw, you know, the connection of, how LinkedIn can grow. Cause you know, when you think the average person would think about LinkedIn, you think about like looking for a job or something like that, but it's way more than that now, especially in 2020 for not just influencers, athletes or entertainers, but you know, anybody as well looking for, you know, funding or connections. So it's really a great platform that I understood, you know, learned quickly. So um, it's been very beneficial for me um, the last two years. Two years. So, so right when you yeah, joined the last year, the last year, 2019. So it's been one year. February 2019. Wow. So, so right when you joined, you were you were immediately you know like posting content, not necessarily on there just to put you know your accolades and try to look for a job. But it was more it was content production. That was no, kind it was of like more, yeah, content. I treated it more like you know like a Instagram, Facebook type thing, content. So and then I just drastically caught wildfire. Mm-hmm. And, and have you seen kind of a big impact on, on kind of your apparel, apparel brand it, from as a result of that? Or, or uh, what's kind of seen the most? Oh, yeah, like for sure. Like 70% of myself have been from LinkedIn. Oh, wow. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that I love to hear just because um, been on LinkedIn, I think, for over six years, may, maybe almost very early adopter. And obviously from the start of it, when I was on there, it was really just kind of 
you put your resume, you connect with people, you know, um, and then they started adding, you know, the video feature and posting and then yeah. kind of just caught wind early. And I was like, you know what, I'll just start posting content. It felt really strange at first because not many people were doing it, especially video content. And, you know, I think getting over that, yeah, hurdle where it's like, all right, what are, what are people going to think of it? Once you kind of say, you know, get over that and kind of start posting, especially with LinkedIn, the organic reach that you'll be able to get, even just what you just mentioned for that post is 300,000 views. Right. Um, so, so what's kind of your, your message to kind of other athletes or, you know, you don't necessarily need to pitch other people to get on LinkedIn, but you know, what are, what, what do you use to kind of uh, show as a, a case study? Um, your story uh connecting well it just and also understanding how it works so as far as what we have as a program is you know showing the case studies of how it works what it can do to benefit you because every athlete or every you know influencer or person has a different agenda so whether they're looking for a job or post post sports or they have a nonprofit or a charitable event connecting with those CEOs, basically like I've learned, it's like cutting out the middleman and connecting and, you know, gathering people for funding support. So um, it's a very good tool as far as, because I know Spencer Dinwiddie, he plays for, he plays in the NBA. He's really yep. good on LinkedIn as well. And also Braxton Miller and Trey Burke. So some athletes really do get it, but I think all athletes, especially professional, need to have that um, because it's such a, another world of connection and funding and platform and understanding and understanding like whatever your passion is off the field it's just perfect and you know with the social media now it's like a free platform so it's perfect mm -hmm. yeah and uh, you know some of those athletes that you mentioned where it's like posting on linkedin um, you can directly contact the cmos the ceos investors um, and even if you don't necessarily immediately start a conversation, my kind of my philosophy on this, and feel, I'm willing to take your feedback if you think it's right, where I can connect with someone, say it could be a C CMO level that I want to sponsor an event or just get to know. Um, we don't necessarily need to start a conversation immediately, but if I'm posting content consistently and they are connected with me, there's a very high likelihood that they will eventually stumble upon my content and know who I am without me directly talking to them. So it's almost like you pitching them indirectly and it's not necessarily a direct sales pitch like, hey, buy my financial service in the inbox, but it's very um, like natural progression of if you just post consistent content then it will, uh, you know, eventually catch the eyes of people that you're connected with. But what's some of the content that you post, you know, you mentioned the, you know, what's going on right now and some of your apparel brand, but what's kind of your strategy or maybe the strategy that you said you're going to be teaching to some of these other uh, people in your consulting service? Yeah. Selling emotion, uh, daily content or, you know, weekly content is basically what you're putting out is like what you're doing, just like Instagram and Facebook, but just for a different audience. Um, so it's kind of, don't want to say too, too much, obviously, with the, about the services, but basically understanding what you want to do as your brand, your platform, and to reaching those certain type of people, because they have database where, you know, you can reach people in your demographic of either New York, New Jersey, Los Angeles, people in the fashion industry, the sports industry, um, food industry. So literally attacking and connecting with that type of service and alluding to the content you see and partnering with those type of people. So it's really good of, of, like I said, having the database and knowing, you know, if you're in the marketing specter 
or if you went to, you know, Clemson, you know, the automotors of people who went to Clemson and connections and things of that nature, or like if you want to, you know, start a nonprofit, you know, reaching those different nonprofits and people who are in that same industry or who have done that same industry in that sports, whether NBA, NFL, um, nonprofit or, you know, either autism or cyberbullying or whatever, it just the sky's the limit. But connecting and putting you in that sector, in that bubble, and having everything kind of work for you and having a team that, you know, have we have for our um, program as well. And you see drastic change quickly. So, like, we just signed uh, Spencer Ware, who plays running back for the um, Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And also Desmond Posey, who played in the NFL, also played CFL, and also uh, a model as well um, named Courtney. So, they have big, you know, influences and followers, things like, like that, but who they are personally is different from, you know, what's depicted of their occupation. So expressing that, because like, even if you see what the Kardashians like, they show you the whole platform, who they are off the camera, on the camera, and they're selling and, and you feel like you know everything about them, like you live with them, because that's what they're selling. They're selling their brand, their personality. So it's being in touch with you know, your fans. So that's what basically is. So basically taking that approach to connecting with your friends, your connections, and, you know, if a CEO of real estate or whatever has an opportunity, they can hit you up as well. You can hit them up during podcasts. See, that's how I connected with a whole lot of people. And, you know, it's been very good for me so far. That's amazing. So the, um, the new service you just launched uh, or the, the LinkedIn consulting, is that still, you're going to make some more announcements or can you share any updates about what, what that's going to look like? Yeah, so we've been, like I said, so we signed a couple of athletes and influencers. So um, making more of the culture and exposure for the brand as far as the company is concerned um, due to COVID. So, you know, COVID has kind of knocked some things down, but hasn't knocked the internet down, so which is a good thing. But putting out more exposure, more content, because we came out, I came out with the idea, I think in April. So we just started that. And then um, getting the the whole, like I said, the culture of the business first, and then continue to sign more people uh, on the professional level and the influential level. So it's been going pretty good. So it's amazing. More content and more clients as well. That's amazing. I'd love to see how I can be helpful or refer people to that. And that's something where big advocate where the the athletes that are on the platform they have a lot of leverage and. Um, their professional brand where that, you know, they have Instagram, which is a little bit more flashy, but if you can, you know, show video content of you speaking on a stage, kind of sharpen your business acumen, that's where it's at. And that's what people really want to see right now. Um, But, you know, LinkedIn, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, something where, um, you know, maybe a question would be like, all right, so somebody, it could be an athlete or it could be anybody that um, maybe doesn't know their plan A, right? They don't know their main goal or, or what they really want to accomplish. And they're still kind of testing, you know, their, you know, what they really want to do with their lives. So what would be your kind of advice to narrow their focus and then find that plan A to kind of go after what would, what would be your advice for that? Um, look within pray about it, understand, because everyone's different. Um, so understanding who you are, what you're about, what's your why, whatever your plan A, everybody's plan A is different. So it's not really a say-so, this is what it is. It's really digging deep within and understanding 
who you are, what's your purpose in life, why you want to be doing this, who are you doing it for, understanding basically what's your why and what you want your legacy to be. And, you know, 15 years from now, would you regret not doing what it is that you wanted to be doing? And, you know, what's your purpose? So, like, let's say if it is of giving back and that's your plan A of giving back in some sort, digging deep and, and figuring out a strategy and a platform to narrow down what it is you want to give back to. Or if it's want to be a chef or culinary arts or, you know, makeup or fashion. So understanding that and just coming up with a game plan and really strategically approaching everything that you need to do that involves whatever your plan A is. Obviously, A is the first letter, so your number one goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then kind of another mantra where, you know, like stay persistent, where I think persistency is like a muscle that you have to develop. And the only way to do that is to like face adversity. You have to be challenged. You have to fail in a way. So could you kind of share some experiences maybe that you had where on the road to where you're you're at right now that – maybe things didn't, there's, there could have been a week where it's just back to back to back failures, letdowns, teams didn't respond, whatever it is. What, what was your, you know, mindset or how did you kind of build that persistent muscle um, to kind of overcome that? Yeah. I'll uh, touch on this lastly, cause I have to uh, work out at about 12, but um, I did just life, honestly, um, being told no, having to develop that armadillo skin as far as tough skin, um, I watched a lot of motivational videos, um, just understanding how also having that self-belief in yourself and like having that support system, whether it's one person, two people, three people, your family, yourself. But I've always been strong-willed, strong-willed and confident in myself. So I think confidence is the biggest thing, believing in yourself. I've always been that guy where if you told me no or maybe, like I, I hear you, but, you know, I have to like, get that yes and I've always been persistent at that of if you told me no then I have to do it like regardless how long it takes me but I think it's just it's within you as you de- you definitely can develop it but just how willing are you 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 willing to work to get it so everybody's different than that you have to develop that within again that soul searching I've been blessed to have that attitude at a young age that provided because there's been obviously a lot of times where I want to give up but I knew what my why was I knew what my plan a was and I knew that if I didn't get there 10 years from now I'd have full regrets and my biggest fear is living with regrets so that was the biggest thing is living with regrets and not living a life that you know God bless us with one life only so doing everything to live out our full potential that's amazing. And, and I guess to, to wrap things up, it seems like you've built a really good framework on how to like position yourself, attack each day and, and stay persistent. But, you know, we're going through some very difficult times with, you know, social injustice and then also, you know, COVID and a lot of people are uncertain and, you know, things are kind of up in the air. But what would be your kind of advice to somebody that might be going through a tough time and, and something that you would kind of pass them along with? That's a great question. Um, what this pandemic you know some people are out of work as i said like what 30 million 40 million people file for unemployment but the biggest key is just like how the recession i was you know we were too young for that but how many entrepreneurs how many businesses came out of you know that mm-hmm. recession and it's because of how what they did with their time management and now like coming out of this you're going to see the next instagram the next uber the next you know robin hood so 
understanding the time management. We have 24 hours in a day. Uh, you know, things are going to be, have some turmoil when at times, but definitely taking the time, doing the due diligence, like reading, um, researching, learning new things. Like we all have the time, like the people who don't have to go to work, or even if you do, you know, you work at hours or however long you work, but definitely taking advantage of time management. I think that's the thing, finding yourself, learning a new language, networking, um, starting that podcast, reading that first book, painting, but just literally taking that first step and building strategy. So, you know, getting off your phone, turning off, you know, Netflix, because Netflix, that's what they did. And now they're making the money off of other procrastinators or people. Who, so it's just taking the time and really sacrificing. I think sacrificing is the biggest thing. That's what I did as well. You have to sacrifice things to get what you want. That's amazing. So I'll let you go for that workout. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, obviously on LinkedIn, you're very prevalent on uh, Instagram as well. You're, I believe your handle is Marcus T. Peterson. What's, yes, are those the best way for uh, the people listening to connect with you? Yeah, definitely. Um, my, like I said, LinkedIn, like you said, excuse me, on LinkedIn is Marcus Peterson. My Instagram is Marcus T. Peterson. My website is www.mpmotivationalapparel.com and also Facebook. So um, those are where you can reach me. And, uh, you know, if you reach me and I'd love to connect with you, it would be definitely me and the real person. That's amazing. Thanks so Marcus. So thank you so much, Marcus, and uh, enjoy your workout. Stay safe and looking forward to uh, connecting in person soon. Hey, thanks so much for having me. And of course.